Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. People that are actually doing it. It was well, a good conversation. We started this conversation yesterday and yeah. then uh, our one of our best buddies made the long, long, perilous journey. Yes. To, uh, this is might as well, where I live might as well be Mexico compared to where he's where he lives. Well, um, and that, that train that gets that goes by your house, that thing does go for a long time. Have I'm you ever stop. got caught behind it? Yeah, I have. Oh, I'm sorry, my man. <laughs> you know, um, there's only one way to avoid it. It's... Uh, you got to take that exit right by the HEB. People yeah. that are our uh-huh. fans in California are like, what, what's HEB? Yeah. Um, they probably shop at somewhere called like Ralph's or. Yeah, Ralph's. Yeah, yeah Ralph's and Vaughn's. Those are kind of the Ralph's two big Vaughn's. ones. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a real cheesy one in Hollywood called John's, which was, I think, an old Vaughn's that they just turned to a John's. So it okay. went from V-O-N to J-O-N. <laughs> yeah. But you take that exit and you make yeah. a and you make a right and you kind of come around it and it takes yeah. you over. But yeah, I never go got? that way either, man. I, I always roll the. I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a gambler. Or a gambler, man. Yeah, you got it. yeah. <laughs> but no, man, it was a good it was a good conversation, and it was I'm glad we got to talk about it um, before because we were just talking about um, sort of reframing the idea of whatever you're watching, you know, sort of whatever influencer, famous person, um, just just always understanding that they're coming from some sort of angle. And I was saying before, like, everything's a grift. That might be a little too cynical. Um, you know, everything's a hustle, everything's an angle. A- and it sounds like a cynical way of framing it, but actually for me, it became a much more, uh, it became much more relaxing to be able to do that. Because once I sort of realized, okay, everyone's just coming at an angle, then the input that you can take in sort of changes. So you were just talking about these these uh, cool microphones, the Rode microphones that we both have. You got it first, I got it second. Um, and you're like, oh, the, the YouTube people are all wearing it like this. Well, to me, that's that's a good thing to see because you know a lot of YouTube people, that's what they do for a living. So they are professional you know, video people. So seeing what they're using and kind of listening and being like, wow, this sounds really good and crisp, I should probably get the microphone that these guys use. To me, that's that's a great way of sort of using um, YouTube or, or influential people because you're seeing what they're doing. And, and they always say, like, you, you follow what a successful person is doing and you copy that. And I think sometimes people get in their head, they might not get that quite right. And so what I mean by that is you could look at something and say, okay, well, how are they presenting themselves? How are they dressed? How do they speak? kind of analyzing that type of stuff, I think that's good. What I think where people get in trouble, and here's where the everything is a hustle or everything has an angle, um, most of the time, the influencers are ultimately selling you something. And they're gonna say, oh, I'm giving you all this free value, I'm doing all this, but if you want the good stuff, you gotta pay for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this always reminds me of these, you remember the 80s anti-drug commercials? And there was one in particular where this guy has like the little baggie of like powder. And you're like, I don't know what it is. Could be cocaine, could be crack, could be meth, could be heroin, could be fentanyl nowadays. Who knows? But 
and and the guy like one of his buddies is like well how much we charge him he's like we don't try charge him anything for the first one we see who comes back then we charge that person i do remember that that remember was that so one, old right? school yeah so it's like that's kind of that that's that's what all these influencers do it's like you give people a little bit of free stuff but i think what the the angle is usually that you want to show somebody this lifestyle so they're going to present themselves as successful and it's almost like this carefree successful too it's like you know it's a tuesday afternoon i'm just walking around wearing like something that's fancy but still looks casual and i'm driving in my nice car but i'm not making a big deal out of it and i'm doing this and that so you you sort of get this feeling of envy and then they want to talk about whatever it is that they do and they're going to make it out like it's it's easy you could do this almost like you could almost do this yourself but not quite you need me to help you but you could do this but not quite and, and it's just interesting because it's always like they will say you know cardone was always famous he'd be like well i mean you can be like me and learn this over 30 years or you can be smart and learn from somebody else's experience and mistakes and learn this stuff right now i mean like it's up to you you know and that's a good selling tactic because it makes you go oh man maybe he's right oh my goodness well i should pay for the the good stuff then and it's just interesting when when i used to watch that stuff i i would feel sort of a weird combination of negative emotions i, I would see something and i'd be like man i got to do more with my career i don't have a jet like this guy does i'm not driving a, a bentley like this dude is like man i'm not doing enough and and it would sort of pull me in like that but then i would listen to some of the stuff i'm they're saying and i'm like man i don't know if they're speaking the truth on this cuz like you know every once in a while these videos will talk about stuff that i actually know something about and i'm like this doesn't jive with my life experience so now i'm like well i'm doubting my life maybe i'm doing it wrong maybe like i i would listen to these guys that would flip houses and they'd be like man i'm flipping 40 houses a month it's easy blah 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 and i'm like Dude, if I'm doing more than 2, it's a lot. That's a 40 in a month. That's a lot for a 2 years. Like how are they like and they're just, you know, casually talking about this thing. If you want to learn more how to do that, you got to join my membership. It's $30,000 a year. And I'm like, "Huh." And so before <laughs> I saw that it was all sort of an angle, it was just it was overwhelming. I felt overwhelmed with my own incompetence. and i think that is sort of the goal is to make somebody see like you want this thing but you feel overwhelmed with your own incompetence will let me help you but once i realized that oh, there's work in an angle this guy's just presenting this stuff so that he can sell memberships because his business is not the business his business is teaching you about the business mm -hmm. those who can do those who can't teach that's the old saying and i think there's still a lot of merit to it and it doesn't necessarily mean that like because you quote unquote can't and you're teaching that's bad a lot of times teaching about the business is a lot easier and a lot more profitable than actually doing the business but to me as a person out there in the world it's important to understand they're not really teaching you this business they are trying to get you to sign up for their course their membership their mastermind all the different things they have and as long as you remember that and see that as their ultimate goal to me it makes it way easier to sort of filter information and be like oh okay they they're they're selling this thing i don't want to buy that okay like and you can kind of move on 
because I could never move on before I'd be, I would just watch these things. I would go down the, the YouTube rabbit hole, like whatever it would be. And I bought a lot of courses over the years where I'm like, why did I buy it? Like they, they suckered me on the thing rather than me seeing how does this actually really apply to my business or does it at all? Or is spending this time and money really helping me make time and money? Or is it just making me feel like I'm doing what this guy said I should do? So um, I don't know. I was I was thinking about that a lot because I was listening to John Danaher talk to Lex Friedman on Lex Friedman's podcast. And it's a great episode. It's about four and a half hours long. They cover a lot of subjects. I have not um, I've not heard the the end of it, but right now they're talking about uh, animal fights. And you've got yourself a lion, you got yourself a grizzly bear, you got yourself a silverback ape. And I don't remember what the fourth animal was, but he's like, you know, who would win in a fight? And Danaher is going into great depth talking about, you know, the different skill sets that each one has. And he hasn't gotten to the answer yet. I think it's going to be a lion, though, just from the way he's talking about it. But, um, you know, Danaher is sort of known for being one of the best or at least one of the most influential jujitsu instructors was talking to Lex about how to get better as a hobbyist, which is most of jujitsu. Like as much as it's so weird, it's such an inverse thing because jujitsu has quote unquote famous people, the, the successful competitors and a few coaches, but those people are like a, a fraction of a percent of the people that do jujitsu. And the hobbyists are the ones that pay for everything. I mean, you see like the lifestyle that someone like Gordon Ryan's like living. He's living it because of the hobbyists. These are the guys that are buying his instructional videos where he's selling a million dollars a year's worth of instructional videos or whatever. It's it's because of hobbyists. It's not really people that compete consistently and do jujitsu for a living. It's the hobbyists. So it was interesting to hear the question posed to Danaher which is sort of like the festivus for the rest of us. You know, like how do, how do the actual hobbyists, the guy who's training not three times a day, but three times a week, what should that guy do? And it was interesting to hear Dan Hur's answer because if you buy into the hustle, it should be, well, just simply watch my DVDs, follow along, and you shall be the next Gordon Ryan. But he didn't say that. He said, almost exactly what we do. He's like, you want to film yourself sparring. You want to see what your weaknesses are and what your strengths are. And you want to pick somebody who's elite level, who's good at what you want to get better at, or, or is good at sort of filling in the hole of that weakness that you have. Somebody who has a similar body type, a similar style, you know, somebody who's good for you to emulate for those reasons. And you want to work on whatever that thing is but you don't want to copy somebody's whole game. You just want to figure out those specific details. So for you, it would be like the split guard and things like that. The, the guillotine game that Silver Fox does. And that's what you want to do. And you want to try it and you want to try it. And then you want to film it again and see your progress and all that. So it was very much a sort of self-empowering, take charge of your own learning, sort of the way that I think you should live life. But not in one second of that whole thing did he talk about buying an instructional video. So that was very interesting that when posed with the question, he gave, a, in my opinion, a very honest and insightful and good answer. 
But it was not at all the answer that really is what his living is, which is essentially selling instructional videos at this point. I mean, I'm sure he makes some money from coaching and privates and all that, but I think he certainly makes way more money from selling instructionals. So it's interesting, like understanding that, you know, where the place of something like that is versus what the actual path to success in that thing are, are kind of two different things. Like the path to get to jujitsu is not really buying instructional videos. It's really doing it, monitoring it, trial and error, seeing where you are, and then going forward on that path and finding some guidance along the way, but not really like step-by-step instruction. And yet there's an enormous multi-multi-million dollar industry like BJJ Fanatics and all that, which literally is step-by-step instruction. And yet the reality is nobody really learns that way. So I thought it was really interesting like to hear that. I thought it was a um, it was a good interview, and I'm glad that he said that. But it was just weird to sort of hear that and be like, oh, okay, that's the angle. The angle is I'm creating you know this idea of learning all these things for this instructional. But the reality is, if you really want to get good at this, it's especially if you don't have full-time access and i think that's something else that people who watch a lot of jiu-jitsu and stuff forget is that there's an enormous difference between somebody who is doing something three times a week versus three times a day i mean that that's you know so it's understanding that i think helps sort of figure out what path you want to go on to so i don't know this has been been interesting to kind of delve into this idea for me it's been good for my sanity um and, and it really just shows like because because really when you you hear about the idea of following somebody's success that's always told in hindsight you know somebody's writing a book they're not usually writing a book while they're being successful like I, I was, i'm going through uh, principles by ray dalio right now and he wrote that book a few years ago maybe within the last 10 years but he's been successful since the late 80s early 90s so it's like he had a good 20 30 years of of seeing what worked and hindsight and the value of hindsight before he ever wrote a book about it. And I think it would be a very different book and not nearly as good a book if it was something he wrote in his 20s or 30s versus something he wrote in his 50s or 60s. Um, and a lot of times, but the problem with all that is, is if you took that same person and put him now, his path to success, he probably would still be successful, but the path would probably be very different. It's a different time. You know, it's the different technologies are out there, all that kind of stuff. So even if somebody was the person who wrote the book, if they tried to follow their own advice and their own life history at a different time point, it probably wouldn't work. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's just to me, it's it's good in a way because it puts more responsibility on the individual to really be honest with yourself and track your progress and figure out what's working. Um, it kind of kills the dream of like, here's the answer. I've got it all figured out for you. It's in this book. <laughs> and understanding that, Mo, this is just a separate dream, which is that I want to become influential and powerful and make money off of it, which is fine. But you, the consumer, have to know that because that is ultimately the goal, especially when you see people that are constantly creating content. That's their ultimate goal is to sell you something. And it's ubiquitous from real estate to jujitsu to working out to business mentorships, 
there's relationship people that do this. There's, there's really any sort of business you can think of. There's people that are in the business of teaching the business. And in my experience, and I think your experience too, the people that are doing the business usually don't even talk about it that much because they're too busy doing the business. So that's my soliloquy. That's my opening. <laughs> yeah. That was very good. That's very good. A lot to take in. It's very minutes. deep and uh, there's a lot to think about there for sure. Because, you know, it's, it, I, you were talking about this yesterday and I was thinking about this from my own business. And I think it's important for me to network amongst like commercial brokers and things like that. It's important for me to know small business guys, people that are coming to town, people that are moving, people that are looking for things like that. Like within the the world of, of sort of central Texas real estate, it's important for me to know people. But to market that or put video out on that or do something like that, to me, it's almost like, I feel like that would do more harm than good. Like, first of all, I don't want a lot of people to know what I'm doing, like that are not doing it, because I don't want them doing it. I don't want the competition. I just don't. I mean, if it comes, it comes, but I'm not gonna invite it. Um, and then secondly, it's just to me, it's like I, I look at people, I, you know, I was telling you yesterday, my father-in-law, like a very successful guy. Um, I don't think their company to this day even has a website. It had like a little tiny listing in the yellow pages back when that was a thing. Um, and if you Google it, you might find the, the business address. And that's basically it because all their work was business to business and, you know, networking with other contractors, construction companies, a lot of stuff with the city for city projects and things like that, and sort of getting tied in with that. But a lot of networking is really business to business. And when you're networking to people that are not in your business, to me, it's always like, well, why? Like, why is somebody doing that? And again, I think that's because they're trying to get somebody enticed with the idea of their business, but make them think, Ah, I don't know enough about this. I need to trust this person who's going to guide me. Oh, and they're going to happen to sell me. They've got this great course on the whole thing. They've done all, oh, this is great. I will do this. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But knowing that I think is important because um, I know me personally, I've spent way too much money on these things and used very little of them. And I feel like I love the old Tom McKay before he started selling his own mentorship program, I mean, I still like his stuff, but he does kind of push his own mentorship stuff now. But back in the day, he was like, if you've got $10,000, don't buy a course. Like that's a seed money, invest that money in a property. Like he was always like, don't, don't give it to me, don't do whatever, take that money and invest it. Like I'll show you how to invest it, but you should take that money and invest it. You shouldn't give that money to somebody else to invest. Like. That's all they're doing this for is to get your money so they don't have to invest their own money because usually they don't have any money. And secondly, that's no risk for them. They can just take a portion off the top. They get you all enticed. That's how they make their money. So I always thought that was cool the way he was sort of more direct. Do it that way. Things have changed a little bit, but yeah, whatever. You got you to do what you got to do. Got to make that side hustle. So, so yeah, I mean, that was. Um, and I think that's the big question there. How do you see that now that things have changed? Do you feel like he's doing something wrong? No, no, because I mean, I mean, I think that 
he is by far the most honest of all the real estate guys that I've seen. Tom McKay is the who Mo and I are talking about. Tom McKay is a longtime investor in Austin. I've never met him personally, but I know people know him because he also does jujitsu um, with guys that I used to do jujitsu with. And he actually is from uh, a part of California that my wife is from. He's from the Antelope Valley in California, which uh, if you've never been there, don't bother. But uh, it's <laughs> it's a rough spot. He's from a place called Lancaster, which is a real rough town, um, about an hour north of Los Angeles, about an hour northeast of L.A. And um, he's been a very successful real estate investor. And what I like about him still to this day is he's still going around the projects he's working on, um, be it you know flipping houses, be it uh, retail, shopping centers, whatever it is. And he's always checking in on stuff. And what I what I like is that he still always presents it as this is a job. You have to constantly monitor your stuff. If you have people managing your properties, you got to manage the managers. They may be managing the day to day, but you got to keep coming by and checking to make sure they're doing their thing. You got to look at your tenants as customers. If they need something, you got to help them right away. And like when they had the big freeze about a year and a half ago, He's out there the next morning, like fixing plumbing and doing things like that with his with his customers, like or his, his tenants. So that to me is still he still does that. So I, I like that he's still presenting it the way it is. Um, it takes a lot of time to film these things and do these things. So at a certain point, you're like, eh, why am I doing all this? Maybe I need to make a little money out of this. Um, and he doesn't charge much for his mentor. I think he charged like five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks for his mentorship. So he doesn't charge that much. Um, and I think he gives good information. So, well, let me ask you this. What if he did? What if he charged $30,000? Would you look at him different? I don't know if I would. And, and I know that I'm, I'm kind of going because against everything. I think everything. that's the thing that I want to avoid. I don't want to start, I don't want to, I don't want to start virtue signaling, like, right. in terms of like, oh, that guy's just charging way too much money for the content. Yeah. Like, at, at what point, yeah. right? Like, because we're all, we're all, you know, we all kind of have a lot of money at this point. So you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do we? Oh. And, and we well, all made it a certain way, you know, I mean, um, to a certain degree. And I don't want a virtue signal like my way is the virtuous way. Right, right. You know what no, I mean? I, yeah. In, in I, the way you, in the way this guy did it over here. Yeah. Was no, like, it's, it's it, you're right. Because I mean, there is the, there is the sort of counter argument of you only have so much time. And if you don't want to spend a ton of time doing something, you charge more money for it because that filters out the, the time wasters a lot of times. It, and it really does. I mean, like, um, you know, if you're charging a thousand bucks a year for some program, people are going to be a huge pain in the ass about it. If you're charging $50,000 a year, they're probably going to actually be a lot better about it than, than they thought. I mean, just it just tends to attract different type of people. Um, so, yeah, there is definitely the argument that he's undercharging and things like that. Um, I don't know enough about his, you know, the details of what he's doing. Um, I do know that just from watching him do business, in my opinion, he does not delegate enough from what I see, because I know, I know it is a full-time job and you do need to check on stuff, but if you're out there like fixing everything yourself and doing all this and, and getting involved in, to me, um, he's spreading himself a little bit too thin. But that's, you know, I mean, he's got more money than I do. He's been more successful than me, so maybe I'm wrong. 
I mean, I'm, and, there, yeah. and I don't think there's see, and that's the thing is I don't think there's wrong. I think that's just the way he does it. And that's the way he enjoys doing that's it. That's the thing. I mean, like he does it and he's like, I would never, I would never do it that way. I would yeah. probably, what I would do is I would start, I, I mean, I know how I would do it. Yeah. I would start my own company that kind of did it Yeah. and they would primarily do it for my businesses or, yeah. you know, uh, my real estate investments. Um, and when they're not doing it for my real estate investments, they do it for someone else and they charge and. All yeah. that type of thing, but I wouldn't. I mean, you don't want to see me hold a paintbrush. I'll tell you well, that now. Yeah, I mean, and that's yeah, me too. I mean, I look at that's why I'm so that's why I like commercial property because um, I do go by and check on things, but there's really not that much to do when you have the lease set up so that the tenant is responsible for almost everything. Then it's like to me, I just go by, like pick up trash, kind of make sure everything's going right. Just if they got anything to show them. Oh, there's a dent here. There's this. There's that. Like just little things. Um, you know, I still like that, but I wouldn't want something where it's like, um, I wouldn't want something where it's like, I'm so busy that I can't train, that I can't do this, that I can't like, to me, having a balanced lifestyle is important. And from what I see with Tom, he's always working. And that's from people I know who know him. That's what they say. He's always working, like always on the phone, always this, even like jujitsu. The guy was like, ah, I was trying to train him. He kept having to answer the phone. And it's like, I don't want to be that busy. Because to me, it's like now you can't train. To me, that's important. Like you can't do other yes. things that are important. Um, and I think the want there is what's the what's important is because I think he wants to be busy. I think yes. that that's what fulfills I, him. Yes, I agree. And and that's as funny too, because um, you know my wife has some clients where she has a, one uh, lawyer that she works with and another guy who runs a couple companies, and. I don't, I've never met or talked to either one of these guys, but the way she describes it, I'm like, they both have the same problem, which is they can't say no to anything, like everything they say yes to. And it's like these things that are going to spend, cause them enormous amounts of time, give them quote unquote exposure and maybe make them a little bit more money, maybe. But to me, I never even see the connection to that. So it's like you're, you're, and both these guys have wives, kids, you know, like a lot of other stress in their life and a lot of other time consuming things. And they're just constantly saying yes to these things. And the problem with that, like, I understand where that comes from. That comes from somebody growing up poor and being terrified of being poor again. But the problem is, is that you start end up, you kind of create your own ceiling with that because you are always saying yes to everything, which means you get more and more overloaded, which means you start dropping the ball on the important stuff which is haps, happens with her clients. They do. They drop the ball on the important things because you're so overwhelmed because you're saying yes to everything that, you know, it, when you start saying yes to everything, the quality of your work decreases. And if the quality of your work doesn't decrease, the quality of your life decreases. And both these guys have had serious health issues come up over the last year. And I'm sure it's because partly because the way they just, they get overwhelmed and that, that sort of overwhelmed starts affecting you physically. Um, to me, it's it's important to know what to say no to because having that balance, I think, does better for you in the long run. I mean, you 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 stay healthier, and we always say that with training. It's like if you train too much, you may get better, but inevitably you're going to get hurt. And now you're not training, so somebody who's training less but sort of doing it slow and steady, they're going to surpass you because they just are on the mat more because they're not hurt. Well, that kind of translates to everything because. If you are constantly working, that's going to affect your marriage 
negatively. That's going to affect your, you know, your relationship with your kids negatively, with your friends negatively. So if you're not training, that's going to affect your, your physicality and your mental health negatively. So if you don't have that balance and part of that balance is learning what to say no to. And then I think, but being smart about it is understanding, okay, how do I leverage the things I have by either hiring the right people to take up the slack and things I don't want to do? Do I charge more for the clients that I do have? Like there are still ways to make more money without just adding volume. And that's, that's, and I think that's a very common mistake. I will say that in, and again, no right or wrong answer, but my opinion, when it comes to business, you're absolutely right. The problem with taking in too much work is that too much work can actually kill your business Yes, because you lose quality, right? The way, in my opinion, that you solve that is you charge a much, much, much higher price. Yeah. But here's the caveat to that is that you have to be worth that price. You got to deliver, right? You got to deliver. You have to bring that type of value to the table and it has to be demonstrated with your reputation. Yeah. But I am a hundred percent agreement. It's a conversation that we have maybe every other day as a reminder with Salia with now we have um, a manager for our sales and operations for nice guy and trusted cleaning and it's um, quality over quantity and it's work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, it's funny because in the investing world, I see this a lot where people want to get involved in a ton of different deals. And you'll see this where it's like, they're just in deal after deal. And it sounds, it's like, oh my God, they're doing all these deals. And once again, if I'm not careful, Mo, I start watching that going, God, I should be doing more deals. Why am I not doing more deals? Like these guys. I tell the story to people that the story that you've told me, I tell it to other people. Uh, because it's such a good example of exactly what we're talking about. Which, which one is this? The one that you're talking about right now that yeah. it's smoke and mirrors. People yeah. are talking about, I do a hundred deals a month, Yeah. but yeah. Uh, all the deals that they're doing, they're breaking even or losing yeah. money. Losing they money. just yeah. want to be the person that gets yes. on social media and say, yeah. I'm doing a hundred deals a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm only doing five and I'm making more money than you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a guy that, um, I don't think you've met, I've met him before, but I think, I know you've been to some of his stuff before. There's a guy in Austin that was kind of the real estate guy in Austin before Austin became like the booming insane place that it is now. So maybe like 10, 15 years ago. And he used to be at at the time, he was the short sales specialist because we were getting out of the 2009 recession and there was a lot of short sale deals, which just very quickly are basically if let's say somebody owes hundred thousand dollars on a house and it's only worth like eighty thousand bucks now because there's been some sort of dip in prices like there's probably going to be pretty soon or there already is um you can negotiate with the bank and say listen i'll pay you fifty five thousand bucks for this and if you try over and over again you do a ton of paperwork you wait a bunch of months and all that eventually a lot of times if the bank's got enough of these they will say yes because they'd rather get that 55 then have to put it on the market and all that because the bank is not in the business of selling homes, they're in the business of lending money. So you negotiate and this is called a short sale. So this guy's thing was like, I've done 5,000 short sales and made $5 million from my short sales. And and you know I, I would listen to that and be like, oh my God, that's so much money, $5 million. Oh, I haven't made $5 million. And, and then finally I was like, 
5,000 deals for 5 million. That's a thousand dollars a deal. <laughs> and he's, and he, cause he would say, he's like, well, a lot of them, these, you know, there's ones that just break even. There's ones I don't make any money on. I'm like, that doesn't sound very appealing at all. Like <laughs> you're not selling me on this at all. Because when you take in the time factor, the money factor, the this, the that, I'm like, the stress. I don't think you made that much money, man. I think, but again, his angle was he's creating these groups which created mentorship programs, which did this and did that. That was the angle of this. But it's just funny because people will talk about volume. And for people who haven't done it, it's impressive. For people who are doing it, it usually seems you're like, what? That's impossible. Um, and they're like, no, I've just got a system down. I just do this. And it and it's it's usually geared to beginners to impress them. And and what you were referring to was I was part of a, a house flipping group and I paid thirty thousand dollars to join this group, which is thirty thousand dollars too much. And there were people <laughs> that were running this thing and they were ten they were literally saying like I, I flip 120 houses a year. So 10 houses a month, I am buying the house, I am doing work to the house, and I am selling the house apparently all in one month. Uh-huh. Um, oh, but I'm doing that 10, 10 times with 10 houses a month, every month for a year. And I'm finally, I ended up talking on the phone with one of the guys who was sort of well-known in this group who was now starting his own group. And he was the one who told me, he's like, well, listen, I mean, honestly, a lot of these guys are, are losing money on most of their deals. They're just doing their deals to keep their crew working, to keep, you know, the people in their office working. And usually they make enough on a few deals to kind of break even or make enough to keep going. So it's like basically they've created that because they all talk about, oh, I've created this system. I create this machine. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? All machines cost money to run. Like everyone talks about, you just build this machine and it just, it just runs on its own. No, it doesn't. No machine in history ever runs on its own. Every machine needs fuel. It needs upkeep. It needs oversight. It needs someone managing it. Like machines cost money. Every I've, Anybody who's got any sort of machine, including this computer, it all costs money to run. So this idea is just like this weird false thing that they create, but it's, it creates this idea of like, oh my God, I just create a machine then the machine just makes me money. It's unbelievable. So it's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's interesting for that. And, um, you know, when you see these different groups talking about how much stuff they're doing, to me, I would rather do less and make more on each, which is what you were saying. And when I saw that in the apartment world, and I, again, another guy, like it's, it's cool that every once in a while you meet these people that are like surprisingly honest. Cause I had another guy that showed me and he's one of these guys who's involved in all these deals. And he was doing some like 15, $20 million apartment deal that he was like the, the main guy on or whatever. And theoretically, when the deal sold a few years down the line, he would make more money. But in the meantime, he was making like 2000 bucks a month on this deal, which is, I mean, there was a time in my life where that was a lot of money. That was like, a, you know, that was what I was making, 2000 bucks a month. But it's like for all this risk, for all this exposure of lawsuits and this and that, for all this, this is pre-COVID, so who knows what you're making on this deal during COVID times where no one can get evicted and no one has to pay rent um, and you get a you know, a little loan that you get to pay back to cover yeah. the difference. I mean, like, you know, it's just, it's, it's it was a crazy small amount of money to be involved in this deal. 
And so when I see all these guys and all these deals, it's like, well, how much money are you actually making on this deal? Are you just doing this? So now everyone's like, this is the deal guy. I'm going to invest in this guy. And it's kind of, you're again, sort of hustling people for their money. And, and it's funny because I know people that I'm in deals with some of these people and some are good. Some are terrible, terrible. I one deal where it's like, I put in 50,000 bucks three years ago. I've made like 2000 or 3000 bucks from this deal in three years. When they, when they end up, are, is, is there an exit strategy to sell? Yeah, supposedly they're going to sell it next year. And they're and like, you'll make, is that where you'll make the bulk of your money? Do you think you'll supposedly, but it's like, that's three and a half years to make like a 50% return. Maybe, maybe a 40%, which over, I mean, it's, it's not bad, but it's like, it's certainly not what was advertised. Cause I hear all, Oh yeah, no, I, I just invest with this guy retired five years ago. I'm like, you must be living in a tent. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, I, like I just, it was, I calculated it out. It was like 1% a year return. I'm like, this is basically like putting my money in the bank. It's except the only difference is when I put the money in the bank, I can take it out. I, cause I haven't given it to somebody else. Yeah. Like, so, it's not so locked it's just, up. Yeah. It's just funny. I mean, it's, it's, but it's all about creating that perception so that they can do all these yeah. things. And to me, it's like, I'd rather create no perception, have none of those people know who I am, but have the important people know who I am so that I can actually get deals done in the business that I'm doing done, which is all business to business. And I think that's the difference is that most people that are in business are just advertising to people in the business. And then the ones that aren't, to me, it's usually like, maybe they really couldn't hack it in the actual business and that's why they're doing all this or they're tired of doing it and they're like let me see if i can do something easier i'll just get people excited about the lifestyle and i'll make my money that way i don't you know again i don't have any yeah problem, i don't but like it's, it's, I, I don't like when they're selling so here's kind of my take i've one i yes i agree 100 i don't like people that sell lifestyle because now you're selling what may or may not be it's and that's, there's a little bit of dishonesty there. Yes. But I think that historically, even going back into Roman times, when you attended <laughs> a philosophical school, yeah. you would have to usually pay money to get into them. Yeah. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that education has always been a business. Yeah, it is. Uh, public education is a business. It is. Uh, we saw during COVID, it came to light that university <laughs> It's just, it's a big business. Oh, it's a big right? business. That's all it is. It's huge. So paying, the idea of paying for education. Now, my own personal experience has been a very good one, but I think it's dependent. Yeah. I have bought some courses where I have literally wanted to put my fist through the computer screen because it was literally what I thought I was buying Yeah. was some secret sauce and it turned out to be like five pages of something I could have gotten for free off the internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I have been very, very upset about. But sometimes you don't you don't know until you actually buy yeah. what you're getting, right? That's and true. My ex for the most part, though, I think where my experience and the reason why it's been different is because I've always had an honest perception of about what to expect. Yeah. So. I've always kind of known that whatever I'm buying, I'm going to have to do the work. Yeah. It's not going to be as easy as they're saying it's going to be. And because of that, my experience is I've gotten maybe 
three courses um, in the last five years. And I can guarantee there have been people that have purchased the same courses that I have purchased and they yep. have made zero dollars. Yep. And yep. each one of these courses, I two of them already, I'm in six figures, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I took Fedro's course. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee a lot of people, um, and Fedro doesn't try to sell it as this, like, That's look true. at me, I'm driving a Mercedes and yeah. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Even yeah. though Fedro is a very, very successful guy, but he, he, you talk about a guy that really plays it down. Yeah. Like he, he, he gives the opposite perception. Yeah, he, he wants does. people to think that he has no money. Yeah. Um, but he does very well. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know for a fact, there are people that bought that course, did nothing with it. Yep. Whereas I took the course and I made six figures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, what turned me on to the course, even before Fedro was my bestest friend in the whole world, Carter Fisk. Um, and, and even you said, right, it's yeah. about what you're doing with the information. Yeah. How many times did you say, man, Mo, I have given this information out for free to so other people and no one's ever done anything no with it. it. Yep. So I think that's, that's always been part of it for me is yeah. having a realistic expectation. Yeah. Number one. And number two, are you going to take action on the yeah. information that you're given? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like. I even think I've never taken anything from Grant Cardone. He's just like you say, not my type of guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I can almost, I don't want to guarantee it's being a little cocky, but if I sat down and he gave me some information that was actually tangible and I, yeah. I, I can guarantee it that I can separate myself from other people and take it and monetize it. Yeah. Oh, right? for sure. I just yeah. feel like I've been very good about that in the past. Like, okay, I can, I can take this little piece of information and monetize it. Yeah. I took another course. Um, I got bored yeah. because we had systemized our businesses and I literally, I'm reading books every day. It's getting boring. I'm doing yeah. the Carter Fisk. I'm drinking my tea. I'm reading <laughs> books. This is great. Month yeah. one, month two, month three. Yeah. I see Sally is doing something very fulfilling and robless. And I'm like, yeah. man, I'm getting kind of bored yeah. sitting down all day. Um, let me start a painting business, right? Yeah. Something different from yeah. I've never done it before. I don't know how to paint, yeah. uh, but it just seemed like something different from everything we've done in the past. Yep. Take a course, guarantee you, Carter. Yeah. People took the same course, paid the same yep. amount of money, did nothing. Yeah. In one year, made almost 200K, right? Yeah. Almost 200K. Yeah. This, uh, this year, we're going to, you know, I think our first year we did 160K in revenue. Not, and, I, and, and, and I say this, I'm not trying to sell anything here, right. but I really was lazy about it. Like yeah. I was maybe working 15 hours a week, yeah. 160K in revenue, not in profit, yeah. just in yeah. total sales, right? Yeah. Um, and this year we're going to have a 40% increase doing the yeah. same exact thing. Yeah. Here's what I will tell my advice to people is, and this is where I'm at now with education. Yeah. Now... I don't want to buy courses any longer. Yeah. Here's what I would rather do. Who's the guy that's putting on the course and I'll go ahead and I'll pay you $300 an hour. I just want to consult. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear your course. Yeah. I have very specific questions because I've yeah. been in business long enough. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that if I spent time scouring the interwebs, I could get it for free. Yeah. But Right now, I don't want to do that. I'm pretty yeah. lazy. I have some money on the side. I yeah. want to pay you. Tell me. And it's not It's not going to – it's going to be like technical stuff, stuff that's yeah. very black and white. Like yeah. this is how – like uh, how do you do a 1031 exchange, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm just going to hire a real estate attorney. Yeah. I'm not going to take that's, a course on it. That's all you got to like, do. I'm going to give you $300. Tell me yeah. how to do this. Or yeah. better yet, you put it together for me. Yeah. And and, and that's it. That's where I, I, I'm at now. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I will tell people um, that are looking specifically for education. And even in jiu-jitsu, I'll get to that here in a yeah. second. But for business, whatever course you buy, I'm not going to say whatever course you buy. I believe that education is, is what you make of it. Yeah. So first and foremost, I believe that whatever education that's being put out there, um, you can probably find a way to monetize it. But here's the thing is that it, I agree with you 100% wholeheartedly. Look at who is selling you this. If they're the guy that's standing in front of a Lamborghini yeah. and they're sitting yeah. on a yacht and they're yeah. talking about how it doesn't take any work to do what they're doing, yeah. I'm dead. that's a straight up pass for me. Yeah. Because I can tell you that in all of the courses I took, I had to work my ass off yeah. to make them to, to monetize yeah. the education. Right. Yep. Um, and here's what I do now. I took one last final course um, this last year. Yeah. And I don't go through the whole course. I get to what I need and then I throw it away. Yeah. Because everything else, like I, I'm like, nah, she's not gonna be able to teach me about this, or he's not gonna be able to teach me about this. I know I just gotta find it out as we move along. Yeah. Right. Whatever yeah. they're talking about is theoretical, yeah. but there's some basic stuff that's very black and white. How yeah. do you find these type of subs? Right. Like they've probably been through it. They have some, they can get, they can point me in a direction, but yeah. that's all they can do. Yeah. Point me in the direction. At the end of the day, I have to travel the path myself. Yeah, exactly. I have to exactly. travel the yes. path myself. Yep. And that's, that's, I think the ultimate lesson is that but there's uh, no easy money. I've, I haven't yeah. found it yet, Carter. I haven't found it. The <laughs> only one that I know that does it in a way that is like, it's super, it's, and even then it's not a hundred percent passive is you. You're the only one I know that I'm like, wow, yeah. you know, but even then yeah, it's not there's involved, there's managing <laughs> yeah, involved. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. you got sued last year, right? Like yeah. there's no such thing yeah. as easy money. And anybody yeah. who presents it that way, I would stay away from. Yeah, they're selling you something. Even in jujitsu, yeah. yeah. if they're selling a course and somebody says, "Take my course and you're going to win ADCC," right. bull crap. Yeah, I, I want to say something, but it's, that's just not true. Yeah. Anyone that's ever won ADCC or even qualified to get in that prestigious event, yeah, they're going to tell you it wasn't because they watched DVDs. Yeah, exactly. It was blood, sweat, tears, yeah. injuries. Yeah, you're forged in the fire. Yeah, in business, yes, and anything you do in life that you want to be successful at, uh, you're forged in the fire. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you're you're right, and I think that's the way to say it. Like you, you ultimately have to go on the path yourself, and um, I, I really think that's part of the fun of the whole thing too. And I think that, but I honestly think that's also what separates like the true entrepreneur versus somebody who kind of likes the idea of it, but ultimately it's not for them. Because that's another thing to really know. Like, there's people I know that are just they're not like for whatever reason, they're always going to need to have a boss, somebody they work for like that, that sense of security that they get from it. Maybe that sense of guidance that they need. Like there's a lot of different reasons why there's, there's, I would say the vast majority of people I've met in my life are just not entrepreneurs. And it's, it's an important thing to know because it's some people, it's just like, they can't take the pressure. They don't like the idea of it. But then the ones that are, once you get to that that point, you cannot imagine ever going back, ever. Death before dishonor, you know, like no way. Like 
I will go down with the ship. It I is the living hell the to think about it. It is. It, like it is. It, when you, when you, if you were to ask me what would push me to like the brink of wanting to throw myself in front of a bus, it'd be that. It would be if you told me I would have to like get a nine to five job and have a boss again. Exactly. It, yeah. I just don't, I, I don't even want to think about that. Yes. And that, that's, I think the, the difference is that there's some people where it's like, um, you know, for whatever reason, their, their life history, family history, whatever, it's like they need that steady thing. And then there's other people where they're like, that steady thing would be the worst possible outcome that could happen. And that's just sort of a different thing. And to me, it's like once, but once you know that you're the entrepreneur type, then you have to realize the next step is I'm going to have to follow my own path in this. And it may be fairly conventional. And so I'm not like, you know, I'm not inventing anything new. I'm not doing anything crazy, but it's still my own path. Like there's still um, parts of it that have been similar to other people. There's phases that have been it, like the new phase that I'm in. Like, I'm not really sure who else is doing this or has done this. Like I know I hear stories about these brothers in Lubbock that built a bunch of warehouse. You know, I hear stories about different people or, or whatever, but I, I haven't met anyone per se who's kind of doing that. Um, and I don't really care because I'm like, I'm doing this my way and I'm, got my next project ready to go. And the one after that, I'm starting to scout out. And um, I don't know what that, you know what I mean? Like there's no book on that. There's no whatever. Um, and again, in five years from now or 10 years from now, if I'm still alive and it's actually worked, okay, now I can write a book and say, I did this and this led to this. But I don't know that at the time. I mean, even the town I 100%, picked. 100%. You know, it's yeah. like even literally even the town I picked I only knew about this town because I used to date this girl like 16 years ago that was from Temple. Like, it's the only reason I ever heard of it. So it's all like just kind of random stuff that you figure out what works and what doesn't work. But like to so try and say like, okay, this is the blueprint. That's just, it's not. There's a lot of happenstance to it. And if you've I got- I love what you said too yeah. about, yes, I may get to a point in my life where I have so much wisdom and experience that I may be willing to write a book and I may be willing to teach others because, right. because I will tell you this, right? Like at the, again, I do believe that education is important and that these courses can be important because to a certain degree it gets, but just understanding what the courses are for, they're, yeah. mo they're more motivation than anything. Exactly. Yeah. And they're just, if anything you're going to get, it's like, how do you, how do you get started? Where, point me in a direction. Yeah. And, but, but again, you're going to have to walk it yourself and you're going to have to yes. figure out a lot of stuff yourself. Right. Yes. But what I really love you talked about is that, yes, in our day and age of social media, how many people do you see that are like 22 years old? Yeah. And yet you're going to tell me yeah. how to start franchising yeah. businesses yeah. because yeah. you've been doing it a long time. So what yeah. you started when you were 12. Right. You, right. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't, there's obviously you just haven't been alive long enough. Yes. To have the experience yes. to really know. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I agree. I mean, like there's, um, you would see that sometimes in the apartment world of these like, and I met a kid who was like 21 and he had one deal that he'd done somewhere out of state. He's like, oh no, it's easy to manage these things or whatever. I'm like, how long you had this thing for? Oh, nine months. I'm like, okay. And then for a while I was on his email list about, do you want to make money in real estate? And I'm like, I do, 21-year-old, but I don't want to learn it from you, <laughs> guy who's still in college. I mean, like, 
again, I'm sure, I, don't be wrong, the kid's better looking than me, smarter, younger, da-da-da-da, all that well. stuff. And, and, you know, bound for greatness. But to me, it's like when, when you're saying something like that, that I know is not always easy, because I've managed property for a long time, and I've seen a lot of bad things happen to said properties. I've had people steal this and that, trash this, destroy this, blah, da, 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 da. It's all happened. Um, to pretend that that's easy, especially if you live far away, you just haven't done it long enough. It's like you see this in jujitsu, like this, like I've been doing jujitsu for nine months. It's changed my life. I'm never going to be able to talk to me in nine years. See, if, let me see if you're still there because there's a 95% chance you're not going to be doing it. I know you got your cool memes and you got your new, hopefully your new custom Robles kimono and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, which you can still resell probably for more than you bought it for because these things just <laughs> add value all the time. But I mean, it, it's just one of these things where it's like, I'm glad you're new and enthusiastic about something and I'm not trying to be old and crotchety because I don't feel that I feel still super enthusiastic about what I'm doing. But you got to understand the warts of whatever business you're doing. Because if you're just blowing it off saying it's easy, um, you're in for some shocks. Yeah, it's not. It's so, not. It's so not it's, but, but that's okay. That's part of the thing. But it's like you just got to know that because it's like otherwise. Um, Naval talks about – he actually talks about this. And he says some things that are very, very similar to what you said. But the main – in a nutshell, he talks about – there is no book that you can learn business from. He says you have to understand that all books are is motivation. 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 Yeah. And, and he says that's okay. Yeah. Some people need a little bit of motivation before they yes. take their first number of steps. Yeah. So I don't want to virtue signal and be like guys that are – because here's the thing. It's all just a tool like the hammer going back to that yeah. analogy. Yeah. For some people, they're going to get hustled and they're going to get – they're going to lose money. Yeah. But there's going to be some people that take that course and they actually start their journey. Yep, for you, sure. You have a perfect example of this. Yeah. You and a roommate were given books yeah. Yeah. about real estate. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You took the books. You yep. read the books. Yep. You started doing real estate. Yep. 20 years later, yeah. you are where you're at. You're developing yeah. real estate now. Yeah, yeah. Same buddy. Yeah. Took those books and just did nothing with them. Yeah, right? he's, he's uh, what is he doing now? He works for some aerospace company in uh, Raleigh, but he's not an engineer, so he's not. Uh, I don't know what he's doing, but he's not doing what I'm doing. I know that much. And the point so. being is that it just depends on what you do with it at the end of the day, right? Exactly. So if you take this course and it helps you start this journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Then you can argue that the guy who put on the course yeah. did a great thing. I he agree. changed somebody's life. Yeah, I agree. But if somebody bought the course and they're just like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with it or I can't do anything with it or it didn't really teach me what I thought yeah. it was going to teach me, then you can argue that the guy hustled you out of your money. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the ultimate thing is that, um, because it's funny, you know, like I, I've, the, like the different uh, groups and things like that I've joined, I all think ultimately were a huge waste of money that I should have just spent on a deal. However, the $10 book deals on wheels that I bought like 14 years ago has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's awesome. Like, like, so okay. it's like, and that, and that literally was a book 
by a you know a country bumpkin as we used to say from uh, Virginia West Virginia named Lonnie Scruggs who has since passed away and it was really simple about like how he came across the idea of doing mobile home deals and didn't they even name deals after him they like call they call it a Lonnie, Lonnie deal yeah they do they still do and it's like so that it's funny because it's like that and he had courses and all that stuff and I never bought any of that I just literally bought that book read that book and I was like this makes perfect sense and it just it just for whatever reason so to me it's like you know it's an individual thing it's just like uh with we talk about this with jiu-jitsu where it's like yes um as much as i trash instructionals there's still some that have been really helpful because there's some teachers you just connect with and do, it doesn't matter to me like people could say oh this guy's the best teacher it's who you connect with that's what matters the most because that's the person you're going to be engaged with and listen with. and for whatever reason lonnie's book at that time in my life just I completely connected with it and I immediately took action and a lot of other stuff like the marketing. I, I was dating my now wife and she's like, well, you should send people postcards. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll send postcards. So I started doing that. And that's made, you know, that made me a lot of money sending postcards. So it was just finding stuff and like, oh, I'll try this. Okay, well, this didn't work. Okay, I'll try this. And it's like, it literally is just trial and error and people try and make it out like, oh, you split test. And if you use blue ink, you get this just try stuff and see what works. That's basically all that they're saying and they're charging you money <laughs> to do that. Um, and, and that was, that was it. Versus you know, the red ink. They really, they try and, they try and make it out this crap, man. It's like, calm down, nerd. Like, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> it's not. You know, I mean, like, it's just so, um, but, it, but it is important. But what's most important uh, is just keep sending it. I mean, I told you this before. I had a woman who I, the last mobile home I bought in Austin, so it was probably about 2015, 2016. She's like, you have been sending me postcards for eight years and she had them pinned up on her. It was crazy. It was like this look back in time. This is the way I sent it back in 2009. This is the way it's sent, you know, whatever. And, you know, that was the last deal I did. And I bought that thing for like, I don't know, 3000 bucks. And I spent whatever money on it. I sold it for 35 grand. I mean, like it was a good deal, but it Dude, was something. You know, I have a story that kills two birds uh, once, you know, ba basically one stone. So, okay. um, barely, you were barely starting to talk to me. We had just really started the jujitsu of life stuff. Um, okay. and you had barely started to talk to me about mobile home investing because I was telling yeah. you, like, I wanted to diversify yeah. outside of, you know, Robles and I wanted yeah. to do real estate investing. Yeah. And you were like, Mo, mobile home investing is a great place to start. Because yep. um, you can kind of learn the basics of mobile home investing without risking too much money. I was yeah. like, okay, that sounds great. And I remember one day you, I, I can't remember, you called me up and you you passed me a lead. You're like, Mo, I don't do oh, this yeah. anymore. I don't, yeah. I'm not involved in mobile yeah. homes anymore. Yep. Um, and I, I think I asked you, I said, well, how did the lead come about? And you're like, it was an old postcard that they That's had right. saved that yeah. you had sent them way yeah. back in the day and they yeah. just put it up. They put it up on their refrigerator Yep. and you're like, Mo, I, I don't deal with mobile homes anymore, but if, if, uh, if you, if you like it and that's, uh, for anyone listening, when you have someone in your life that does that in business, there's nothing more important than a lead. I look at it as that is someone showing you an, an enormous amount of love, what it costs to acquire leads. It is expensive. Yeah. It's difficult. It it's hard, especially yeah. in the mobile home investing world. Yes. It's very, very difficult. It's not yeah. easy. 
to acquire those leads. Um, my brother put some love in my pocket and I was not going to let him down. So the next, uh, I, I think I called him up immediately, scheduled an appointment, met with yeah. this lovely family. Yep. Uh, they were relocating to Austin. They were living in their mobile home with in Pflugerville, yeah. very nice park. Yeah. Um, ended up buying that mobile home for bu- 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 bum, eight grand. And then I think I turned around and then sold it less than 30 days for like 28 grand. Yeah. And I was so happy because you yeah. didn't expect anything from it. You didn't even yeah. know that I was doing the deal because I yeah. hadn't really been keeping you in the loop about yeah. like what was going on. Yeah. But my whole thing was I'm going to I'm going to write a check to my friend. You did. For I remember bucks. that. Yeah. I'm just going to surprise him with it because yeah. it meant so much to me. And you're like, what? When I handed you the check, it was right before we were doing a podcast. Yeah. You're like, what's this for? Yeah. And that's when I was like, I'm glad yeah. you asked because I've been wanting to tell you about this lead you sent yeah. me. And it's been 30 days later and I closed it. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. And that was, that was an awesome thing too. And, and you should add too, the amount of free swag you've given me over the years. That's uh, probably <laughs> at least a couple thousand bucks more. So uh, not only to have money in my pocket, but my pocket looked good because it was yeah. a in this pocket. So I think that's all I got. I think I'm dropping the mic on that. Boom. Yo, I love it. My man, to re-listen to this episode or to check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Live. Uh, check us out on Apple iTunes, like, review, subscribe. Uh, you'll probably find us right underneath Joe Rogan's podcast at number two. Number two. Um, shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jujitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you, Robles. Be authentic. Uh, check out Yellow Pine Investments. Check out Quantum Leap Web Design. As always, I am Mo. That is Carter. And we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.